Hello and welcome to episode 376 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Or I should say, will be joined by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. <laughs> TK running late, time is of the essence. Uh, I doubt we'll do a big intro. He'll probably just appear on the mic and just... I've introed him here, so <laughs> you can take that for granted. Plenty to get into this week, and that's around the world of football and food, because that's the type of podcast we are now. Arsenal made up for lost time and scored five goals against a very poor Crystal Palace side. Ivan Tony marked his return with a goal in the most unexpected thriller of the season. An injury-ravaged West Ham side was held away at Sheffield after some late drama, and Liverpool continued their march towards the Premier League title with a comprehensive away win at Bournemouth. There's UFC that was on this weekend. There was NFL on this weekend. We'll see how much of it we get into Jack, how are we doing today? Yeah, good. Stressed. Been a stressful week. I don't recommend selling a house to anyone. It's probably one of the worst experiences you can ever do. And then also try to buy another one at the same time. Not fun. I was going to say, I've had a stressful week and it's been like playing football manager, um, (laughs) watching the NFL and picking what to eat on Saturday and that was largely the stress of my uh, of my weekend yeah we've put an offer in on our house that we want to buy today and I'm faced with working in London tomorrow and then going to watch Chelsea in the evening so I'm not even going to be home to deal with it so but were you are you working in London because you're watching Chelsea or are you watching Chelsea because you're it, working in London? It's a happy coincidence. I've okay. got to go and see a customer in London and I was just like, oh, well, I could get a single spare. Just I'll go by myself. I've got a hotel for, for on work expense anyway, so why not? Treat myself, live the high life. And that's when we lose to Middlesbrough. Yeah, there's, there's far worse places you could be being sent to work. I think I've said in there before, the only place I used to get sent with work was Salford. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's... Uh, and you'd, you'd go in in the little um, like uh, media village there or whatever it was where I had to stay and there were like celebrities that weren't celebrity enough to even like get you out of your seat. Like if someone pointed out that someone was there, you may not even turn around to look. Yeah. So what level of celebrity are we talking? Are we talking like Coronation Street? Would you get no, up to no, see? No, it's like... So that guy did a 12 o'clock news. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. that It's that level of... Um, You're not going over to get like a selfie with no. Q Edwards. I mean, maybe now. In Pizza Express. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's literally, that, that, that was it. And um, <laughs> So when you work away and maybe you uh, change your answer here, I've realised it could be a compromising question. <laughs> when you get expenses, do you make the most of the expenses? Yeah, so it's funny because when you hear about the expense scandal with MPs... I know it's public money, so it's very different. But the stuff that I've got or seen, allegedly seen put through expenses by people that aren't myself are insane. I've seen, so I put a motorbike on their company car when I used to work for a company a few years ago. Needless to say, they were sacked. And his explanation was... Did he get to keep the motorbike? Uh, no, well, that's the thing. The explanation was, was, oh, I forgot my card, so I just thought I'd use this one and pay it straight back, but then failed to pay it back. So find a motorbike on a company card is it? What a way to go out! I felt like I was going to get popped when I um, added a second meal at Burger King. Oh my god! <laughs> so that was. If I could go back, then I would be. I would be indulging. Yeah, no. There's. Uh, I'll be bringing it back. I'll be bringing it back for a Saturday. I've I've seen four hundred pound rounds put through. I've seen bottles of champagne put put through. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have one because 
I say that I was very uh, stringent at this point. I think I could easily go on a slippery slope. The thing is, once you get away with something once, <laughs> yeah. that's the temptation to think, ah, oh, they're not looking out for this. The future employer out there going, just happened to stumble across this. Mm. Not going to give you a company card because you have said you might get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> well, on to this weekend, another quiet one for me in terms of, well, did leave the house, but I mean, I'll explain why. They say Father Time is undefeated and heard that a lot in the NFL this weekend. I'm here to tell you that Papa Time is also undefeated. It's still 60% off at the Papa. Um, I'd like to be able to give you some kind of promo code that if you use the code Byron, then you're going to get any more money off. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm doing free promo work. But it was rude not to. Double pepperoni XXL, tater tots with the four cheeses, special garlic sauce spiralled on the tots, right amount of crisp on the tots, and you as a papa man know how that can take a good papa to a great papa. If you can get, if you can clean the paper with the tots, then you know you've got a good one, not that crunch around the outside. See, I, I don't understand. I understand the fluffiness side, but I do enjoy a crunch on the outside. In fact, so, I sometimes air fry mine oh, on top of. That's what I did yesterday. I want to be able to fully get it off the paper I want, I don't want any remains left on that paper hence why I go with knife and fork I don't want burn my hands and put me off here I want to get full tear this was on on Friday just the right amount of bite on the outside so you can cut through it without them like mushing yeah fluffy hash on the inside perfect pizza was a little crispier than the last two weeks slightly less melt on the cheese don't know if it's a good or bad sign with a pizza. I could separate each slice perfectly, like there was no there was no drag with them. So wasn't as good as the last two weeks, but look, you can't always recreate perfection. I feel like what you need to do is come up with like a marking system. So <laughs> so at least you're consistent. You can kind of mark them against each other. Yeah. Um, if they start getting more bad ones, then maybe I'd feel the need to. But at the moment, it's like, it was good for this reason. It was yeah. good for that reason. This would have been perfect if I was going to like save a slice. It would have been easy to save a pure, perfect slice. There would be no moving across. Um, yeah, tuck, tuck that away. Watch The Kitchen on Netflix. The new Kaluuya one with um, Kano. Not bad. Followed it up with one of the best films ever made in Sex Drive with uh, Amish, <laughs> Amish Seth Green. I, I remember seeing that I think that was like a prime 16 year old era and it was just it was the movie of the summer when it came out for me I've watched it multiple times it's about when you could get I first discovered you could get Sky Player on your Xbox 360 so I could have all the Sky movies in my room on um, Letterboxd it says like you've rated this higher than average and mine are all just like teen sex comedies that I've <laughs> rated like five stars uh, it's like American Pie 2 Sex Drive um, a man of culture exactly um, TK is here TK I, I'd like to say um, you've missed a lot we're still on Friday's Papa John's order so we're <laughs> I have missed a lot that's crucial information <laughs> we have got into some so Jack had Papa John's do you want to tell me your Papa John's order now because I think people get it's a big moment when you when you mention when I've mentioned what I've mentioned the last couple of weeks and then you discuss your diet it's very much not in line with the pod. So have you yeah. broken your diet to conform with the pod? Or? So it, I was, sound <laughs> it was more ordering out of necessity where I was in out for, was it? no, it was, it was basically like a group of friends. We hadn't really seen each other as a, as a group since pre-COVID. 
So we had it in the calendar for months and months and months. Pre-COVID, what the hell's been going on? So like, not, not all as a group. Okay. Married friends. So there's like be, multiple factions that you'd see individually. But whenever we went through that bubble stage, everyone kind of stuck to that bubble towards the end of it. And mm. new groups were formed and you didn't get all the band back together in the same room. Now, this is basically like Oasis. It's like, <laughs> no... And Liam coming back. A lot less members to get together there. Yeah, that's true. Um, But safe to say it was a big one. I had a full day of viewing houses on Saturday. Got messed around and left in a place called Frampton Mansell and no one turned up. I won't name the estate agent. But maybe if I get angry enough, I will. That's what we've become. We just just left us in the slag businesses off in the first 20 minutes. High pressure. You're either loved or hated on this podcast. There's no room in between. Found the house. And then as my partner wanted to discuss it I was off out with the lads and like tip the cap and away I go get interrupted halfway through the night that's uh Sarah telling about all the finances and the way that we can make it work and no, like, no 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 I thought just, you were going to say I'm, by I'm me just, making I'm, sure you're yeah, watching the football I, I'm there trying to play darts and watch the Brentford game simultaneously <laughs> and I've got kind of mortgage stuff coming into my house no good to sack that off straight away or back on the beers um safe to say the Papa John's order on the Sunday was an absolute necessity because I was not moving Crucial. for anyone. Now, I will tell you my order and you're going to hate it. Oh, I've been worried um, about it. I feel there's been a fair bit of prefacing going on. This <laughs> is going to be a bad order. <laughs> the problem is as well, is that I have to order something that Sarah's going to like as well. When it comes to the sides, and you're going to hate me for this because you know I'm a cheesy bacon guy. But Sarah doesn't like melted cheese. She's a bit like TK in that department. <laughs> Obviously, don't get Papa John's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, do you just so, cut her out of this so order? We, she's also not hungover. We, she's, no, she's not. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing the problem. <laughs> so we get a chicken side. We upgrade to get a chicken side and we also get the tots. Tots is an absolute mainstay. Now, there are no topping on the tots, which isn't what ideal. It's not. It's just What not did great. you try and order? Did you try and order cheese and bacon or just cheese? no. You can get them plain, and she, you chose to order. I thought I, I had it was to. like it was like a mix-up with no, because I share it with Sarah. She can't eat it if there's cheese or bacon on it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? So I have to make my own toppings when I get home, and I stick it in the air fryer myself. But that's how I bypass that absolute travesty. But then I go half and half because I feel like a whole pizza of the same thing is just too much. I like to have a bit of variation, so I get stuffed crust. I get all the meats, and then I get barbecue chicken on the other side because I do like a bit of barbecue on my pizza. And then I've got the chicken poppers to go with. So all in all, pretty decent affair. I'd love to say that I'm going to taste it on the same scale of which you do. But with the speed of which it went down, there was no tasting gone. It's more like a duck. You know <laughs> you know how angry I was after that Arsenal-Liverpool FA Cup game? This is close. This, 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 this is close. Is it the tots that's doing it for you? Just everything. Barbecue base is... Only on half, though, because a whole pizza of barbecue base is too much. But the thing is, if you get the half and half and you get double pepperoni on one half, one of the peaks of the double pepperoni, one of the perks of double pepperoni is the additional cheese. They don't level that across the whole pizza. They actually give you less on the one side. So, Because I used to go double pepperoni and then sausage and pepperoni on the other half. Italian Italian sausage. Um, But But when you're ordering, I'm getting a picture of like... Alan from The Hangover, like the maths in his head. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but that's exactly what Jack was doing when he was ordering. Yeah. There was no thinking going on here. No, it was just, how much food can I get in? And it's always a speed test with Papa John's, because I fill up. So I've got to get as much down as I possibly can, as quickly as I can, and worry about the consequ- consequences after. Um, there's no savouring going on. It is fully <laughs> getting it down, yeah. 
Man on a mission. I'm not sure I'm about to change this, but I do know we're 11 minutes in and I've not started what I did on Saturday yet. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I was at Brighton early on a Saturday, which I thought could come back to haunt me um, while watching the NFL, but needs must had to get a trim. And the best thing about a Saturday trim is that I can double back past James Pantry on the way home. Oh, nice. And is, is there a local one or is this in town? You know, it's just local. So where? Oh, it's down on Hook. Okay. No, no, Brockwood. So literally I walk, I walk to my trim and then I, I walk back and it's is all within that, 15 minutes. Is that down by the... It's on Court Road. The McCall's? Down yeah. by that way? Oh, yeah. Could yeah. we get a postcode for listeners? I, never, <laughs> I, never I don't think we're narrowing it down enough. Oh, Please slander it now. Yeah. No, no, no. So um, staff were dreadful. Um, yeah. She was called Linda. <laughs> Tone was awful. You know that I like to keep a light stomach on a Saturday because I know what's coming with my evening's indulgence. Um, they also didn't have any custard donuts, but I went for just one sausage roll. And <laughs> I do want Chicago town pizza. Just well, I, I feel inclined to let people know with the custard donuts because this has been a point of contention that people think I'm getting like a spherical standard donut yes. this is not this is donut by name not nature this is more like a slice no it's more like it's it, more like, a, it's an like a hot do- it's like a hot dog right but with cream in it not where the way I, I was going to say it like an eclair that's with, probably a better way of saying it <laughs> <laughs> sounds a lot like an eclair <laughs> an eclair with that thick custard the sort of thing that if you ate it in the afternoon you'd still consider that part of a fast <laughs> it doesn't really count yeah. but no this was this was um, just just around 12 o'clock so um nice it was the best sausage roll I have ever had. It was like someone up above rewarded me for not being greedy. Because I usually go two and they give me one that's like warm and it's like they've gone, by the time he gets to the second one, he's going to be out of here. And I can't come back and say, this wasn't a warm enough sausage roll. That's not a logical complaint. They're not supposed to heat them up. It's not that this has just gone cold whilst you were eating the first one. No, it's like if they've gone for a fresh batch because there's different textures, uh, different flakiness on the pastry as well. This is what I've been finding. So yeah, I usually go for two. I went just one here and I tend to like them underdone a little bit because I like them softer. They had this one just the right amount of... blood in your sausage roll, please. (laughs) Just the right amount of outer crunch, soft in the middle. And the lady behind the tail warned me be careful as they just come out the oven and that was like did she tip you a little wink while she was there it was like charmer. it was like she'd given me the sausage roll in one hand and tickled my gooch with the other <laughs> <laughs> it was get yourself down to Jane's it was it was a couple of quid extra yeah. <laughs> see what she does from Jane herself ratio was like a good grilled cheese with the outer crunch to soft middle um Minimal flake, which is what I prefer. Just still enough you wouldn't want to eat it in front of a fan, if that's a good description. (laughs) (laughs) All those foods that I do like eating in front of fans. (laughs) I just thought that was the best way to describe the level of flakiness. Just just enough. Yeah. I don't know how much my weekend to go, because I might have to skip some bits. I had an idea for a film. Um, I think that's what we need to hear. So this came to me (laughs) in like a daydream that in the future, um, we fire criminals into the sun. The bad ones, the bad criminals. So what what constitutes bad? Murderers and murderers and up. Um, And what's worse than murder? We know. know. (laughs) 
Um, I'm trying to get insane. <laughs> this particular rocket malfunctions, and there's a ship full of the most dangerous people. I've kind of like ripped off Conair. I was just about to this, say, he's a very Conair. Conair goes to the sun. But in space, yeah. yeah. So they can either pick each other apart. Or Cage they, would go for this yeah. as well, I feel confident. Yeah. Or they can work together to get back to Earth. So this is it. And it reminded me of my previous fantastic idea of a crossover event with Chev Chelios from Crank, which Jack disrespected, by the way, and Freddy Krueger. So Chev Chelios has to find a load of different ways to stay awake. Freddy Krueger's obviously waiting for him if he falls asleep. And we can get Monster or Red Bull involved in this. He uses one of them to keep him awake, so that funds the film. Just if we start struggling and we want some new mics or something, then I can sell this idea. So just he has to stay awake? He just has to stay awake, yeah. But is that not a less dramatic crank? But so it, in that, he's like, to stay alive, he's having to fuck someone in public. Ours is, he's got a neck of Red Bull. <laughs> There's slightly less stakes. But, but, he, but he's got Freddy Krueger waiting from the other side of this one, so we've yeah. got some slightly yeah. raised stakes there. And we're on the third crank at this point. Yeah. I watched I watched The Beekeeper last week. It's 56 years old, Jason Statham. Couldn't believe it. I've, I've always wondered as well that couldn't there be an angle for like a Freddy Krueger movie where you just train whilst you're awake to go and kick these people's asses in your dreams? So when you punch in a dream, it, it's like you're punching through treacle. Yeah, it's just, you never perform the way you want to. Um, but I feel like you could, there be like a dream training where you just, someone goes in and finishes them off for, for good. Some sparring well, sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Hold that thought because we might need crank four if this one, <laughs> if this one does well. Now, Saturday, I felt the pressure to keep the people updated today and not go back to last week's meals. The pap is non-negotiable, and you missed a great pun about father time before you got here. You know what? When I listen back, yeah. which obviously will... Papa time. That'll be worth it. Yeah. Don't ruin so, it, please. So I took a rare trip to Brockwalk Kebab. All the local sites have been visited. Yeah. So I got, my, I got my steps in on Saturday, but it was James Pantry, a haircut, rock with kebab. Did a cheese roll for the sake of it. <laughs> you need to do like a walking tour, um, but with food stops along the way. Just I sample think the I could live the Jack the Ripper tour, um, if I'm being honest. I think I, I don't know how you get the crossover of James Pantry and rock with kebab, though. Mm. Fine tuning needed. Um, I went half pounded with cheese, large cheesy chips and 10 nuggets. Oh. 10 what? <laughs> this top drawer they got all the small details right I was in and out inside 15 minutes called me boss on the way in instantly <laughs> on the half pounder they went cheese slice on both patties the meat was of a certain quality for it to be like a proper kebab style burger it wasn't bad enough that it crunches which ruins the whole meal I had a crunch once in a ham sandwich from Tesco <sighs> yeah so yes. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that bad uh, thin enough so they can still load it up afterwards I can still get a good purchase on that first bite so the bun doesn't slide and it's a disaster from that point onwards all the salad no chilies all the salad no chilies no coleslaw which they've lined up next to it now so I had to make sure to say that because the guy before me nearly got caught um, I'll be be gutted cheesy chips I'm an individual here each to their own but I like mine to be a few handfuls of grated cheese chucked in the box and then it can melt on the way home and I like it to be just on the verge of a proper melt for cheesy chips Mm. covered in mayo then and for those that are unequipped in strategy for this this level of order you have to eat the cheesy chips first because if that starts firming up oh yeah it's it's, it's a nightmare it's over yeah I think you've got to be some level of inexperience to fuck that. 
if you can't work that out. This is a big order, so you might be, you might you might see the burger and say you might want to get reeled in with that. That's what boss man said when you're this is a big order, people. Get ready. That's um, why he called you boss. Medium thickness. Medium thick- size in his eyes. Medium thickness on the chips, so they didn't get too much of a crunch. Just do it a good stab of the fork in there. Full to the brim. And then the nuggets, complete transparency as I'll always give. I had one nugget of the 10 and there's a lesson here those 10 nuggets cost me three four pound whatever it was and that is a small price to pay to ensure i didn't leave any room whatsoever if i finish any kind of takeaway and i've got any room left there are a few disappointments you want to be uncomfortable with that. yeah so this so you couldn't have the other nine nuggets but you're glad you, you had that so you knew yeah. i've reached capacity i know of people like loosening their belts or I, I was close to taking my joggers off. I was that <laughs> What a sight. This is... Nug- nuggets strewn all around you. This like is... Like you've OD'd on nuggets. This is how... But every... every <laughs> the foil wrapper's still lying around. Yeah, if I wanted sauce on the nuggets, and I knew they were going to be the afterthought, so would have lost... They've got to got that sponginess on yeah. their batter, so said, no thank you. And I moved it around in the remnants of cheese and the fallout from the burger, so... It, all would have been working fantastically. And I had I had five guys in the week. Um, not usual for this, so I, I did go triple soup to kind of level it up. Um, <laughs> I went bacon cheese, obviously, mustard mayo, my famous combo. Pickles, double onions, tomato, no lettuce. Again, don't want the slide on the burger. Um, I went for large fries, and I could do a whole episode about the triple patty from Five Guys one day, but you can't have that midweek. I feel we need some <laughs> kind of restrictions. And Five Guys do need burger sauce as an option. Their servers, they need to start training because every order I have there, and I'm aware from what I've just said here, it might not be a shock to you. They ask me some kind of question to try and put some doubt in my mind. When I want the when I want the TP, the triple patty, they go, you know that's a third patty, don't you? When I said large fries, you know, our large fries are quite big. Don't look like a man that doesn't know what he's ordering in this instance. Don't try and put me off and make me feel bad. Give me my large chips. Five guys are starting to shame their, their customers now. And they're getting the money from me, so I don't know why they aren't doing this. I'm going to wash it down with a Dots Pepper Cherry Vanilla. And they just put that little seed of doubt in my mind going, should you be eating this? Yeah, but haven't you... It's a Tuesday night. Haven't you fucked up the patty before? Haven't you got it wrong before? So, so you're saying this? So previously... You um, and Rory, what was the score there? So initially, I didn't know you got the double. Yeah, there um, you go. So it's, it's nice that she's clarified No, that. You're no. someone who accidentally got two patties previously. Because so no, you're exactly who she's believing this at. I would I I liked the thought that they'd accidentally given me an extra patty than once. And then the second time I was like, oh, that's not quite a nice treat. Just pretend we don't know. <laughs> they they made me resort to ordering it online because I didn't want to go to the till to hear her say, it's a third patty, this. And then they make you wait longer. I'd really it's enjoy just, if that came up on your phone. Do you know this is a, <laughs> you know it's a third patty, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just so you don't think I'm a complete pig, I didn't really eat much yesterday. So... That doesn't sound too healthy, I have to say. Of when you over order, you then just don't eat anything for like three days. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I was hoping you wouldn't then ask why I had Sunday, so I, I, I did still have a sliced up um, tiger baguette with some uh, butter on each slice, and I did have some salt and black pepper crisps, which I was really thinking about how much nicer crisps are if they're crinkle cut. 
and maybe there's a gap in the market for um, like a fish finger sandwich crisp. That's got to have been done, hasn't it? I've not seen one, and I couldn't find it when I Googled Ooh, because the Big Pig Pizza is not making me any money. I started <laughs> thinking, getting desperate. And I ended the night with a refrigerated Galaxy Caramel. So um, all's well that ends well. I did have some custard slices during the NFL. I don't know if TK was going to reveal that, but... <laughs> <laughs> so um, the custard being consumed. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's because I didn't get any custard from JP. Right, no, no, yeah, sorry, no. Um, wrong. Um, probably should. I mean, I ask out for courtesy. Uh, TK, um, we've got another hour or so. Um, what did you have this week? <laughs> <laughs> so my Friday. No, no, I've got comparatively little to uh, to offer this weekend. I'm afraid. Pretty. Would you have come round sooner if you knew I was going to Brockwalk about? Well, you probably could have charmed me. Yeah, that was possible. All right. Um, how long was that? We're below 25 minutes and TK was late, so... Yeah. Okay. It's a great late. opener. Um, I'm sure the fans will love that. <laughs> Arsenal did their best to answer the criticism regarding their lack of firepower by recording a 5-0 win against a very, very poor Crystal Palace side on Saturday afternoon. TK, I guess I'll kick things off by asking you this question. Are you more or less, or I guess the same, convinced by Arsenal's ability in the final third after seeing this performance? Well, the scary thing is, I got a horrible feeling you're just going to ask us to just doubt Arsenal's firepower every week on the pod. Because the last two times we've had the conversation now, you've won 6-0 the next game and then 5-0 the next game. (laughs) So, with your history of betting on... The other team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not because I want money, though. Yeah, clarify that. Yeah, but your your commitment to a jinx. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we were doing this weekly on the pods. Yeah. If we just had to say, "Oh, that's, Saka and Martinelli are awful, aren't they?" And you just pray for the best. Basically, it's, it's impossible to tell. I think from this week's game, just because of how gutless Palace were, yeah. how pathetic they were. From a weekend where everyone in an Arsenal favour seems to have eaten. There's one notable person that didn't get to the buffet. I just want you. I mean, there's there's a there's probably the notable person I would say isn't the notable person that you would say because one of these players on Saturday was a disgrace. Who is that? Gabriel Jesus. (laughs) A disgrace, Mr. Box Office. (laughs) Honestly, he. I'm now convinced he taught Darwin the offside rule (laughs) because on Saturday he was doing. That gingerbread man face <laughs> constantly while offside. Not and when you're off <laughs> when you're offside for the seventh time, it can't be a surprise anymore. No. <laughs> and even in that, he had he did get an assist, which was a nice assist as well, but he was he was really testing my patience on uh, an, on Saturday. You're now an Eddie man. No. No. I've <laughs> That's what's keeping his uh, yeah. his patience from snapping. Um <laughs> looks at the bench, oh, okay. <laughs> We were able to rely on the old faithful to open the scoring. Gabrielle rose highest from a Declan Rice corner, put Chris Richards on a poster and uh, <laughs> found the back of the net. Then a set piece from Saka on the other side that Gabrielle's able to nod in. Gets credited as a Dean Henderson own goal, which is shambolic. Um, if I put the question out there, starting with the first goal, is anyone appealing for a foul? No, he wanted it more. I think the Palace players should have, though. 
I mean, it's worth a go, and none yeah. of them seem... I'm not saying they didn't care about this game, but none of them seem to appeal or be too put out by the fact that you scored any of your five goals. I've, I've, I've never seen a collective player and manager seem to care so little. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I just can't believe it. We'll speak about Roy, but when they said, what did you think of the fans? And he's like, title to their opinion. <laughs> You're not supposed to be able to clock into work and just answer some emails when you're a football. You're supposed to, you, you've got to do something. That's not asking much from you. Yeah, the, you know he's sat back in his chair, fully reclined, thinking of the Costa del Sol. I know the, the reasoning... But he hates retirement, clearly. So yeah. I don't, he's in a, between a rock and a hard place. The reasoning they give, and I know they'll change this depending on the goal that weekend, is that there's no contact made until Gabriel is at his highest point in the air. And so it's... Richards can get up there and challenge with him if he wants. The fact that he hasn't attempted to challenge is what goes against him. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfectly fine goal. I thought uh, um, if it had been ruled out, and I'd have been very angry, as you can imagine, if it had been, I thought it was the kind of decision that sometimes um, a big club will get go against them. But if a little team does it to one of the big boys, it's the classic, they don't want it up them and all, all of this hmm, kind of thing, yeah, because it's, it's yeah. a very much a desire goal. Yeah, um, definitely. Match of the day did a good job breaking down these set pieces. Don't know if either of you buy the tweaking of the socks as a message, and that I did. I Erdegaard does that about fifty times a game. So <laughs> I did wonder if that was a stretch. What there obviously is a tell. I'm just not sure, sure. that is the tell. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's probably if they pan to Nicholas Yeover on the sideline, whose name I've heard more times than ever before this weekend. Um, there's probably something he's doing. Because that message only rings true if the entire box are looking at Odegaard's socks at the same time. Yeah, or if someone does it and then that tells the corner taker and the rest of them hear what he's saying. I, I, I don't know. I was about know. to say, I have it. It's going to be something someone says. Someone's yeah. going to have a word or whatever. And Usually there'll, there'll be like set, set piece routines of like one arm, two arms, no arms. Like that's usually the tell. And it's like the tweaking of the socks. Like, you don't know what one arm means or the tweaking the sock means. So I, it could be it could mean the same thing and just not be able to defend it. If um if I ask you here because Dean Henderson is going crazy about the second, um Trossard is a blocker again for Anderson. Ben White is acting as a blocker for Dean Henderson technically. Did you think this was a foul? Are you going to protect Dean Henderson in this case? Does he meet your criteria? No, because no, there's a difference between blocking and there's a difference between actively fouling. Standing your ground shouldn't be a foul. If you're going in and running into a keeper to deliberately impede him, that should be a foul, just like it is anywhere else on the pitch. I thought this was kind of like in the NBA when you set a screen. Ben White literally gets there early, stays still, doesn't challenge at all, so he can't be accused of initiating any contact. And Dean Henderson, I think at a point, basically says, I'm going to appeal for this, and if I don't get it, then I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm hoping for the best here. Because it's not, he hasn't got Gabriel stood in front of him. It's not the biggest guy in the world to get, I mean, still six foot, whatever, but as a goalkeeper, you're the lone person here that can use your arms. Maybe yeah, jump. Yeah. Ben yeah. White doesn't jump, he does nothing. He just stands there, impedes his path. But again, this is the kind of thing that is usually we associate with um, the lesser size that are maximising set pieces. And Arsenal have done a very good job here with this one especially when you can see back to back that it's just Palace do a horrible job I mean Arsenal could have played Liverpool this weekend and Liverpool if we don't score the first one I think Van Dijk or whoever is going to say we need to make some changes here again, yeah. because it seems that 
Palace here, and it reminds me of when we used to do an 11 aside and I've said countless times how terrible our team was. Essentially, you do what the coaches said, and if it goes wrong, then you can say, I was just doing what I was told. Hmm. And that seems all the Palace players were told the way they're going to line up on a set piece. And that was that after there. Anderson isn't trying that hard to get away from the blocker. If he can't bowl through Trossard, then they aren't going to give a penalty if he yeah. nudges Trossard out the way. So it's- I saw a Tactico break it down on Twitter of, oh, Roy Hodgson, 77 years of age, has oh, got them yeah. lined up like this in like a 3-5-2, like adverse press. And someone just quite said, you do realise they lost 5-0. So that guy <laughs> struck gold basically in that he did a thread about um, Russell Martin at Southampton right when they'd lost a couple of games. And then now that they've turned it around, I've seen that retweeted countless times. It's gone to his head. Yeah. Oh, you know, man. I saw it. You see patterns. You don't see, they don't look at results. Results bias, I think, was the phrase I saw used. <laughs> um, just quickly. So 13 goals from set pieces for Arsenal now, 10 from corners. If you're not moving fluidly in attack, then this is a nice backup to have. Most XG created and most goals scored from set pieces. Least XG conceded and least goals conceded from set pieces. Set-piece coaches doing well when it seems he's kind of clocked on. Probably don't have Trossard taking the set-piece because you can't score from him if they don't get into the area. Yeah, I guess typically you wouldn't have Declan Rice taking it. That's a, a bit of a surprising No, twist. so I, I said to my uncle at the time, he scored two last-minute winners this season from set-pieces. Ideally... I would have him in the area. I don't know if it's a case of personnel on the field that maybe he's going to start taking them or it's just an option. If it's that he's the best taker of the ball, then I have to say, okay, you keep him there and we've still got Gabrielle, you've still got Ben White, you've still got Saliba, you've yeah, still got yeah. whoever else. Um, one of these days, Havertz is going to get one of them on target um, because he gets the ball a lot in these positions. <laughs> it's just, I don't... You should get that on a t-shirt. Um going to put one of these in. He's got a couple this season, but we're going to speak about him in uh, just a moment. Jack's not. Um, but, <laughs> his, uh, his, his mic is muted. I'll, I'll stay one. quiet and objective on that one. I've, I've said my piece on it. Um, <laughs> David Ray's quick thinking and his distribution is the main reason he's in the team. And it takes 10 seconds from when the ball leaves his hands from a Palace corner for Trossard to stick it in the net. Those Palace players seem very confused that you could move this fast. <laughs> Yeah, and incredibly confused that a right-footed player cut back in on his right yeah. to slot it in. That's balloon of Daniel Klein's mind. <laughs> I I was happy, obviously, but it did draw me back to the Liverpool game when every attacker was trying this, and it's it's worked twice very well this season. The Jesus one against United is beautiful. Mm. This one, obviously, as well. Trossard does have a left foot, so I guess maybe that's what's done him. But if you can do that, it's, it's a nice finish. In, I think it's seven goals from now this season. He's got the best minutes per game ratio. It's not like he's been spamming League Cup <clears throat> goals because we went out there pretty quickly. It's Champions League and Prem, so looks good. Martinelli off the bench. He comes on and scores two. The game was in a bad, bad okay. way at this time. Some garbage time I, points. I do enjoy a player scoring the same goal twice in one game. <laughs> did it remind did- you of anyone in particular that finish? <laughs> opened up his body oh, no, I, can't, I can't think Arsenal can't admin think. posted does this remind you of anyone and then the next one was like Thierry on real like finish with Martinelli <laughs> <laughs> come on the left hand side here 
it was frustrating how if you'd pick Saka to be your FPL captain, as I did, um, he was robbed of an assist, really, the, for the own goal. But yeah. it seems pretty quickly we, we looked at that left-hand side and said, yeah, well, we'll take you apart. Morton out Gabriel is his FPL captain. It's <laughs> not bad that. Yeah, Gabriel gets two from left centre-back. Trossard gets one, is playing on the left wing. Martinelli bags two. Zinchenko's got things moving far more fluidly than Kivior would have. Havertz and Smith Rowe both take up the left eight. TK, what do you think Arsenal's best left hand side is if you have the option of Kivior Zinchenko at left back in the left eight? I guess you've got Trossard, Havertz, Smith Rowe, or Declan Rice with Jorginho then in the six. And then on the left wing, you've got Reese Nelson, you've got Martinelli, you've got, I guess, Smith Rowe or Trossard. Yeah, I think Zinchenko and Martinelli are pretty safe. Um, if Timber hadn't got injured, maybe we'd be having a conversation about the left-back role. I might just say, look, this guy's more solid than you defensively and probably showed, even in his cameo with Arsenal, that he's good enough on the ball probably to fill in that role. Not as, Obviously, never going to be Zinchenko, but good enough. But as it is, Zinchenko, Martinelli, I would probably have Smith-Rowe as the other one, I think, as the left eight. Skill set does fit that pretty nicely. Uh, I think but kind of Arteta seems to be the number one person who just doesn't see that. All the fans do. Outsiders seem to rate him. But unfortunately, the guy whose opinion matters <laughs> doesn't like him. From what we saw when he broke through and really cemented his place in the team, his ball carrying and his decision making, pretty good. Mm. And he had an eye for goal. That he could score, he could pick up goals. Like organically, it doesn't seem forced. Doesn't seem picking up the fourth in a four 0 win type goal. It's yeah, you you are just a goal scorer. You you crop up with them, and like I said, I saw him absolutely demolish us at the bridge twice. I think yeah. actually two times in a row, and I can't believe that he's not playing. Which- he, his cameo on Saturday moved me, not <laughs> not to tears, but moved me in that I I previously. I've been able to understand why he, he at the start of the season didn't just say, you're going to be my left central midfielder. Now, it becomes less of an argument to me when the guy you have picked to be the left central midfielder, you're also having to train in the position, which hmm. is where, but pre-season, if you'd said Arteta doesn't see Smith Rowe as his left central midfielder, then I, I could understand why. As a side point, this game was very much one where that's why you have Zinchenko is that you can have this midfield and you can still build up in the way you do. And he was walking through that Palace midfield at time, which is (laughs) disgraceful on their part. Smith Rowe got 25 minutes. He's one touch football. The weight of pass is my biggest criticism with, with Havertz when you're trying to move quickly. Um, Driving with the ball, just his instincts across the pitch of where to move it, where to be, where to receive it, where to play it afterwards. The general just zip in play. The one-twos were just flowing so easily. Defensively, there still obviously is work to do there. And even at 6-1, I think he is. He's, he's a bit taller than Ben White now. Um, I think he can still work on his physicality, but I think this is the kind of profile we need in that position. Both he and Arsenal rejected a move to West Ham last week. The fact he rejected that, I think, is the telling point there. Um, does anyone think he leaves before the window? No, because you have sane owners by the look of it. I I 
hesitate to say if West Ham had put money up for him, then it may be a slightly different conversation. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to cough up for um, The loan isn't yeah. helping anyone. I, I guess that's it, isn't it? Because he is quite... These are minutes being afforded to him to try and get him in the shop window. That's what it seems oh, like. Don't say they that. would sell him for less than you would like to yeah. acknowledge they would sell him for. Like, but I don't think a club will come in. Having... I think at the end of the season. Having seen Char- yeah, yeah, yeah. having yeah. seen Chelsea try to do this with Conor Gallagher and just hit backfire on them that now he can't sell him. But see how much they're asking for him. I think that's right. I think that's fair. Sixty plus. When you think of what we've spent on our midfield <laughs> and how he's been fo- performed compared to them, I think you'd probably two hundred mil. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would say the good thing about um, those guys in the money they were able to get from them is that they actually hadn't played that many games, which is the thing Chelsea fans and people that criticise Chelsea point to now. Conor Gallagher's played a lot of games, unfortunately, and I still I still think at 50 million, I think there's far worse business that Tottenham can can do out there. I must be quite a transfer window in just yeah, a second. How much was Brendan Johnson? 40? Was he 60? No, it was, it was between 40 and 50, I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, that's more than fair. In fact, you'd probably say Conor Gallagher... It's more when... A club is constantly saying, "Do you want to take this guy? Do you want to take?" You kind of lose the ability to barter in that sense. No, I, yeah, I agree. It, that there is literally these leaks and inverted commas leaks. They're literally putting out and broadcasting. Please buy this player so yeah. he can comply with everything. Trying to go out with my mate. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. um, the squad rotation said previously is probably Arteta's biggest flaw, particularly this season. Because I think if Smith Road played the same minutes as, say, either Jones or Elliot this season, strictly their bench minutes, because I know they've started more yeah, games, yeah. I have to think he's probably forced his way into the team by now if he gets those minutes, just because no one's nailed that place down in the team. Also, if he hasn't, that means you you know, you, you've seen enough to go, okay, he can't do it or whatever, whereas now you just have sort of the great unknown. And in Arsenal fans' minds, that means... He probably does become better in your mind in, in his absence. And in Arteta's mind, it seems to be the more he doesn't play, the more I forget about him. But you're the reason he's not playing. I also <laughs> so maybe think give him a try. With with part of it, and he's nowhere near this bad, um, the last injury for Tierney, and the fact Tierney also kept it a secret from Arsenal, seemed to be the point where Arteta was like, well, fuck this. I, yeah. I'm never trusting you again. I think we touched on that at the time, didn't we? Said like, yeah. The fact that he kind of kept it a secret was not going to be. Injured it getting out of the shower, which at that point, when you're that injury prone... You can't then say you're not injury proud, which which he's he needs to insist. Um, Smith Rowe definitely has to earn the trust back. I think his argument would be that the standards he's held to are probably different to what others are held to. Yeah, the chances some people get, and then you know him, probably even like Reese Nelson would probably go, "Hang on, I'm not getting the opportunity to fail that these guys are." Positionally, uh, I don't know if you think his future is in the centre of the park or if it is out wide. Do you think Arteta says to him? Right, we're going to have to pick and choose like where you want to be now. Where do you see yourself? Do you want to try and beat Havertz, Vieira? We'll leave Trossard out of this in the middle of the park, or do you see yourself beating out Martinelli and Reese Nelson? Uh, Martinelli and Trossard, sorry, on the left. Hmm. Do you think he quite confidently takes the central midfield position and says, "This is yeah. the battle I'm going to I'm going to go for"? Not dissimilar from us with Curtis Jones, I would say. Or I'd say I'd look at him and go. You can probably do a job in either of these, but are you quick and direct enough to be one of our front three? I'd probably say no. Your quality is probably like elsewhere. So I'd say similar with Smith Rowe. 
this is one like when when Joe Willock left us, and I think Joe Willock actually fits this team so perfectly now. Um, It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, in that um, but at the time it made perfect sense. So any like you sell him, you bring an Erdegaard for that money it was pretty obvious, and I could see why you were letting him go. I don't think he was expansive enough at the time. I don't think he was he could play in a possession based team as well at the time. He was far more his, his legs in midfield breaking was obviously so powerful. Also, I don't think it's... As much as I do think he'd have been a good fit, I'm not looking at it going, oh, fucking hell, they let Joe Willock go. No, so, that, so that's what it's I'm saying. It's not quite so, a Chelsea and De Bruyne and Salah. Yeah, yeah, exactly no, so that. The, yeah. The, the point I was making was, with that one, I can understand him going. I think yeah, with, yeah. with Smith Rowe, when he goes, because I'm having to... I'm, I can say I'm accepting it. I'm not really going to accept it, but I'm aware that... You've got a few months, right? I'm aware, that's, I'm aware that's going to happen. Um, that's if, one where when it happens, I, so, I won't be able to understand it because I just know the skill set that he has. If he, just to ask you, if he goes to Tottenham, which they are in the market for midfielder, <laughs> goodness what, me, <laughs> what what goes through your head? I think it's I'm gonna have to approach this like um, Jack Wilshire previously said or Thierry Henry said that at whatever age they were, they would sooner retire than play for Spurs for a million pounds a week. That's what they said. Now, (laughs) I can choose to believe that and I will choose to believe that with Emil Smith-Rowe until I'm ever confronted with that being a thing. It's far more likely that he ends up at Chelsea with the money they chuck about. (laughs) Um, I don't like either of those things and I think um, Villa is probably the one who I think would be right at the front of the queue if he was to be moving, same as Newcastle to be honest, but ideally neither of those happen and uh, we just look back and say, isn't it funny that we didn't think Smith Rowe was going to make it at Arsenal as he is the captain of the side in his 500th appearance. (laughs) If that man gets 500 minutes anywhere, <laughs> it will be a miracle. What is, the way I rate him is incredibly blinkered, and I am aware of that. I, I take him over Grealish, both centrally and out wide, right now. And Goodness. I know he's not done. I know no. he's not done enough to prove no. that. No, I, just, I just want to put a comparison out there for the level I yeah. believe this guy is at. Um. Do you think he starts the next game? For- <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, he's 100% meaning that as well. He hasn't, he hasn't meant to go for just from, I think he's better to Greenish than, do you he actually gets a start the next game? But it has followed. I believed in Curtis Jones before Klopp did. So sometimes the vision, I have the vision and it just takes some others some time to catch up. Shams. Like we referenced previously, Shea Adams, Aaron Connolly, they got a big 2025 in them. <laughs> We're not even going to go 2024. We're not even the next 12 months. You can right after Stunner. Who's that left back that you went all in on once? I can't remember that no one else heard of. Oh, the, I think he was one of our draft picks. He, I don't think he's a current player anymore. Luke Young at right back. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> England international. <laughs> Best player Charlton have ever seen. <laughs> wow. Connor G would probably be the best player. Didn't Reese James play there? Or was that Wigan? Oh, he was Wigan. Yeah, was I Wigan. thought you were going to Connor- chuck someone like Matt Holland at me and you went for Connor, Connor Gallagher. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Dean Kiley in a real goalkeeper's <laughs> union move. Jason Young. 
Um, we just named a Wigan player. Was he Jason Charles? Yule? No, no, that was Charles as well, okay. but we are now yeah. just naming. Because that night at the pub where it's just <laughs> Jason Yule, anyone? Yeah. We've covered the Papa Johns. Now we're going to name nostalgic <laughs> players, yeah. and then you can all stop this. Yeah. Don't worry. You kind of see that while you don't give Martinelli the ball on the halfway line, and probably makes a bit more sense playing him in close to goal. Not everyone's going to give you the chances that Palace do, but. Yeah, he's not going to come on at what three nil up. No, two or three nil up. So, but also there's positions that you, whichever player we're going to speak about later, there's positions you give Jota the ball in that. Was he rested yeah, or yeah, was yeah. he dropped? Um, I think it's probably he his productivity hasn't been it this season, but also he's he's scored now four goals this season and he's outperforming his xG. So that tells you the two of those goals, the chances that he's in everyone eats the, the positions that he's being put in. Um, is that including this weekend? That's including this weekend. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. gosh. Goodness. Well, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Uh, it's, Top it's, ten it's, wingers. It wasn't great. Well, that's, that's why I, I don't think it's a it's a him problem, and his flaws are his flaws are there for everyone to see. Um, I don't think there's anything about his game that's hidden. There's there's nothing like nuanced about it. We know exactly what he is. And so that's where it becomes a coaching issue if the positions you're putting him in don't get the best out of him. If if I've got a guy that's great with his back to goal and I'm asking him to run in behind every time, then it makes just as much sense. If I've got a guy who's great on the last shoulder and I'm having him pick the ball up on the halfway line and being asked to beat three players... The, the the game plan in the last couple of weeks has been basically him and Saka do something yeah. and neither have unfortunately um, let's save the Jesus questions for another day fortunately Palace hadn't watched any Arsenal footage <laughs> <laughs> um, what now for Palace Is that, let me ask you about them instead now we we may have caused my boy to be sacked so yeah. Roy <laughs> yeah. The problem, the problem is with one, this. One sec. So they were unfurling banners. They lamented a lack of plan, a lack of process. Everyone took a huge gamble assuming Roy could read that far away. <laughs> That's going to be a hell of a squint for a man of that age. See, they're almost a case study of, oh, so you want to be progressive, but can you afford to be progressive? I think they've got to kind of understand where they are because... I disagree. No, Sorry. If you, if you go through the changes that they had with Vieira. And he, we all had them thinking, oh, they're playing decent football. They're moving in the right direction. Now, when that stops working, because you get found out and teams can counter that, and you don't have the players to break through that, like if you have all the possession, and you have, we've seen it with Chelsea many times where we haven't had that player to break through it. Um, and then you start dropping down. And if you start having Chelsea-type form, you're not in eighth. You are very much around the relegation zone if you're Crystal Palace. So... It's trying to find that happy medium of someone that's pragmatic they can sit in when they need to, but someone that can play good enough football against the team teams lower in the division to allow them to pick up the points there and just say, right, we're gonna shut up shop against the big guys. They went from progressive progression, new way of thinking at all times, after being under Roy, straight back to Roy. Just the say the the comfort blanket of please keep us up, we need the money. So I think they need to figure out what direction they want to go in before they can start thinking of which managers they get in. I think it's kind of like um, what I said with De Gea and Onana and that it's kind of been this thing that because Onana's been terrible, we rewrite what De Gea was at United where De Gea also wasn't good enough. 
Vieira shouldn't have stayed, but no. that doesn't mean that Roy should either. And it doesn't mean that those principles were wrong. I, I, th- I, I do agree with that. Um, but at the same point, they did start playing pretty good football under Vieira initially. initially yeah. And then they got found out. And then then they started playing good football again when Roy first came back in. Yeah. If you remember, they started rattling in some goals. What's Roy been doing on his retirement? The rest of Vieira's time tells you that he probably isn't the guy anyway. No, I understand that he's not the guy, but but like that you can, can rattle in goals under Roy and that's great because he's a pragmatist and he will sit back. And if you don't, if those goals stop rattling in, then you've got a chance of a nil-nil or nicking something. If the goals stop rattling in when you're playing progressive football like they were under Vieira, that's when you start getting tonks. I know we're just coming off the back of a 6-0 loss. Uh, 5-0, was it 6? No, just 5. We can give Havertz or Smith Rowe if we want. (laughs) But that's because his time is up. Now it's where it's which yeah, direction I mean, you want to they go. They showed no desire, did they? Yeah. The players were quitting it, quite it, visibly. They quit. I've never seen a bigger quit job yeah, in my life. But rolled quite over. Evidently, just tracking back and seeing those players, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's gone. Yeah. He's Chris, really gone. Chris Richards and Nathaniel Klein, terrible. But then there's enough managers out there now that I think they should be biting their hand off to get them in. Graham Potter was there watching the game. That was odd. Um, Roy, I, I text you about it. I probably understandably was asked about um, Potter before and he, he was very pissed off. <laughs> he said, you can ask me, but you don't have a right to ask me that, I think he said. Um, he said, don't ask him about my feelings. I think that was the line he was going down. Steve Cooper is also out there. He's a guy that I rate highly and if results had gone differently this weekend, there was some murmurs about Thomas Frank. If Thomas Frank becomes available, as I've said previously, Every club in that bottom half should be sacking their manager to get him in. Graham Potter, if they can get him, that seems the the really obvious one for me. But it's not just the manager, which I think is what the fans were were trying to uh, to get at. Hodgson blamed the youngsters again that he brought on. Um, not for the first time he's done that, and he apologised last time as well. Weird. Um, in, in 2024, they shouldn't be relying on Joel Ward and Jeffrey Schlupp and many of the others. Tom Kids are still knocking about. Yeah. I fully forgot he was a player last yeah. season. And I was like, Tom Kids? Yeah. No. <laughs> Just surround Gurhi and Elise and Eze. Anderson. Yeah, I don't know too much of um, Francer. He hasn't shown when I've seen him yet, but I know what they bought in him. Tyrick Mitchell. Anderson is very good. He He's... I can see him in a Spurs shirt so much and I really yes. don't want to see him in a Spurs shirt <laughs> because he's a proper bastard. <laughs> Whoever the guy was that went out there and picked up Jefferson Lerma, basically, you've got this core here. Look for some 25, 26-year-olds that can give you consistency week in, week out because Chelsea are in a position where it's going horribly, but they can afford to do what they're doing now and suffer these results. Palace can't say we're going to we're going to embrace the area we're in and we're going to pick up all these young talented guys and we're going to build together. They can't afford to do that, so they need get the best couple you can and then surround the experience around it. But the experience doesn't need to be 32, 33, 34, 35 year olds no. that are getting one year contracts to stay on every year because they can't afford to replace them elsewhere. 
you'll find relegated teams littered with those players in their squad as well because they don't care but then it's just a paycheck and on to the next job and now you'll be a jobbing relegation fighting maybe promotion pushing championship player that'll just be sort of your graft yeah. like you said with the team you saw on Saturday and the players you saw in there Rob Holding still can't get in that team <laughs> <laughs> And this is a guy we were trusting in a run-in. This is a guy we were trusting against Haaland at the Etihad. And he then winked afterwards. <laughs> that wink. The, the, the problem is that even like the Lerma sign is a great bit of business on a free. But that's just an opportunistic, this guy's available on a free, we take a punt him. There's no like, they haven't like unearthed a gem in Jefferson Lerma. They've seen someone who's a good player for Bournemouth previously, realised he's available on a free and obviously asked the question well done for doing it but it's not you know I think the antithesis to Crystal Palace is probably Wolves to a degree where they've had their glory years of Jao Martinho and back when Jimenez could actually put it in the net um, well maybe he's getting a little bit better now but yeah, yeah. You, you get my point but then they've kind of filled those gaps with Fabio Silva being the absolute <laughs> no-no to this I still believe this example but just workhorses that do it really well and they're grinding out results they're working for the manager and that's exactly what Crystal Palace aren't doing they're not finding that they haven't got that vision of right we'll pick up this guy like Nelson Semedo what a buy that is from he used to be a spam mm-hmm. on FIFA for, just for his pace but a team that breaks quickly and uses wing play Semedo's probably the best person for that in a right back position like they're not using that idea to go and find people funny you say Wolves I do also think there is the sign of what happens when you do get a young up-and-coming manager as well. Though I think if you get the wrong manager with Wolves, they could be a shit team. True. They've got some good players in there, but they could struggle. But he's clearly getting something out of these players. Mm. We were tipping Wolves' potential relegation trouble at the start of the season. Now, I know there was a lot going on outside the club, but Gary Neal's had them basically nowhere near it ever since because because he's that good. Mm. Palace, you can probably get a tune out of these players a little bit more, which when Roy first came back in, he was able to. You were surprised almost in a way the way they were playing. That initial appointment of Roy, the safe pair of hands for the back end of last season was absolutely right. It was then in the summer they should have had another plan. And, that was and they decided, sorry. fuck it, run it back. That was largely because Zahar liked him, wasn't it? It was He got on with Zahar and it was to appease him to the end of the season. No, but I mean... No, so I'm not saying... I'm saying They knew Zahar was off. It wasn't exactly a mystery that he was going. No, so I'm saying a big thing of why Hodgson was the guy that came in at the back end of last season right, yeah, yeah. was, was he that familiarity. makes a level of sense, doesn't he, of the he has a relationship with the players in the squad keep keep us up thank you very much Roy you go your way up we'll go us whether lack of availability for the managers they wanted or what but they should have been probably in for someone like Gary O'Neill Lop- so. Lopetegui is still that desperate for a Premier League job he's still living in Wolverhampton I mean that's desperate oh my God. He, he said I wouldn't he, do that if I was the Wolves manager let alone <laughs> if I was no longer employed by them he was, he was prepared to take the Forest job so He's willing to take one of these tries and they didn't give him, yeah. The thing is, he's thrown his toys out, like with the Madrid and the Spain situation. Who lost Yeah. But he, the, so he, now this. People are just going, well, we know you might be good, but are you worth the extra bag? But he, he was good at Wolves and then basically said, they didn't tell me just how bad we were financially. Then he agreed to stay on and then they basically said, it's actually a bit worse than we told you still. <laughs> and so he said, right, well, now I'm off. I think he realised that he built quite a good rep and said I ain't wasting it on on the rest of you still what, the prophecy of the pod with what Should we said about that. with what we said about Lerma um, I really meant that they should be looking for more of these opportunities because they can't 
go out and spend the money. Sure. But when they do spend money, France maybe is going to be a good signing. I guess you're saying it should be more more Decores because they spent 20 million on him mm. and they're rejecting offers from Liverpool a year later for double the money. That was spooky times, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, God. So that's why they... And France, France is the one. France is the league to turn to because Bundesliga... <laughs> they will they will hoodwink you like no one has ever hoodwinked anyone before. And Chelsea, I mean, and Kunku's crocked again. Um, <laughs> France, look, you, you'll get some misses there, but that's the place you really unearth the gems because I think people look at the league and say, "Is it going to translate?" And so you you get some of that with the price, and half of them are just so 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 poor that the Premier League clubs can get in there. Yeah, you can raid them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll stick it on them. Um, the transfer window, I mentioned the Emil Smith-Rowe rejection. West Ham are in talks for a big KP on a dry loan. Um, and supposedly Newcastle have rejected offers for Trippier and Wilson from Bayern and Atleti, respectively. There have been 10 completed deals in the Premier League so far this window, not including loan recalls. And none of them are right. FFP. <laughs> no, you've, you've recalled someone. <sighs> Right. FFP is 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 putting Fabrizio Romano out, out of business. <laughs> I know he gets paid by the click these days. He tweets a weekly injury list of Chelsea players. Yeah, I've seen that. To be fair, I'll keep you in a job. Yeah. Chelsea, if I say uh, it's my belief because I don't want to be a libelous here. That man, if he's not being paid by Chelsea... There's someone close to Chelsea that looks like they might be slipping a few quid because some of the stuff we hear about is Chelsea is just means nothing to anyone, and it's definitely just being fed info. Anyone else have this? Well, I'll put it out there then. It's just we usually do a deadline day special. There's going to be no special for us to uh, to to do a deadline for this time around. Um, Would somebody please think of the podcast? (laughs) I'm sure Chelsea will at some point. Yeah. Are you both shocked that Newcastle are willing to let either leave, both leave? I mean, shocked that both would be willing to go. Trippier supposedly wants to go. That project that they all went for there, as soon as they hit tough, choppy waters, all, all jumping ship. And maybe they're just taking the opportunity here of going, right, they want to go. We want to bring new people in anyway because... We're now eighth. They're hamstrung. They can't pay the loan fee for Calvin Phillips. Now, supposedly, City are asking for around seven million for a bloke that looks like if he went to a buffet with Lacazette, he might be the last man standing. (laughs) He would not be restricting himself to one sausage roll. (laughs) (laughs) He would be indulging. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they can't afford that. That's seven million is outrageous anyway. But the fact that they can't enter the loan market properly and Eddie Howe said, no one's going to do it. No one wants to do his favours. We covered that last week. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for that. So do do you think it's, um, if I give you a couple of options and you tell me which one you think it fits uh, closest in, Newcastle just writing the season off, gathering as much cap space, if you want to call it that, ready for next season. They see Trippier shot to bits and want to cash in before the rest of the the league and everyone else finds out. Um, Trippy is just being a piece of work and he wants to be off. Or Bayern are just assembling 
the Spurs side that lost to Liverpool in the Champions League final <laughs> because I don't know why else you get Kane, Dyer, and Trippier together. It makes no, are they trying to show us just how bad the Bundesliga is? I, was, I, I listen- if they go in for Ericsson. <laughs> I, I listened to the Trans Europe Express, which kind of goes through all the European leagues, and they genuinely class the Bundesliga as the fourth best league in Europe now. But the resurgence of the Italian league with Inter and Juventus and what have you. And Ligue 1 in France, they genuinely see Bundesliga slipping and you can't really argue with it because if Bayern can't, they're supposed to be the, the untouchables of that league. <laughs> they're losing quite regularly at home <laughs> with Harry Kane up front. Something's got to be going on. See what Ronaldo said about the French league this week. That messy Ballon d'Or has just fried his brain. <laughs> <laughs> Saying the Saudi league's now better than the French league. That's why everyone's staying. He's not even thinking about coming. He's also saying the you know I demand a recount on the Ballon d'Or. Let's not retrospectively look at yours, boss, because you're going to be losing a couple of them. (laughs) Yes, which do you think with Trippier? I think they're cashing in whilst they can. They've got Livermento, a ready-made replacement. If Trippier, if this is sign of decline now, they probably think whilst we can get something. They are clearly hamstrung by FFP, so this is an easy bit of money to get. a lot more desirable than selling one of your actual prized assets where you can get rid of an aging star like him. Surprised he wants to go, bearing in mind... That's what shocked me. One of the things about him wanting to come back from Atletico, apart from the Newcastle project and <laughs> whatever <laughs> that might be, why you'd want to come to Newcastle right now, uh, whatever it may be, it seemed that he or his family hadn't fully settled in Spain. <laughs> so Now, if you read the media, I'm not breaking any news here. Why well, would be breaking this news? But... He was actually for the money. No. He, no. <laughs> don't believe no. He's been better at playing away than he has been playing away. <laughs> <laughs> there are hotels in Newcastle. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is in this is in the public eye. Him I think that's Spurs team actually. <laughs> Them right backs at Spurs. English right backs is just it's a problem the, the thing is with Trippier as well is that in the a bastard in the, in the last <laughs> ate him so much in the last seven weeks alone Poor I guy. can name him two games that he's cost Liverpool, uh, cost Newcastle he can do more than he's gone blind in one eye yeah he can't look over his shoulder anymore so one was the Chelsea Cup game right and one was the who was it last was it last week against City, City. yeah against yeah, uh, Oscar yeah. Bob like just those two instances, I shouldn't be able to name a player that it doesn't play for Chelsea that's cost a team <laughs> two games. That off the top of my head, I, can, yeah, I shouldn't. Yeah, you, you can't be conspicuously shit. That's that's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Reese James is very fortunate that if we were to redo the best defensive right back in England conversation, we aren't seeing him play because Trippier. Yeah, it's good for him. Trippier's stocks off a cliff. Trent really can defend as well as he wants and the only thing that can help his case is other people getting worse. So it, no one is, his stock isn't going up. It's just who crashes around, down around him. Reese James is very fortunate in that situation. And what do you mean go, by fortunate? Because I think when we see him play, people are going to realise he's not as good a defender. Absence is making the heart grow fonder, you think? Reese James? He's a very good. He's a very. He's, he's, he's a very good defender. People like when, when he's when he's actually playing, which so this, this is what that, I'm saying. That's the issue. He is brilliant. He offers. 
I'd say 80% of what Trent offers going forward, not the full 100, because there's some things Trent does that I can't see most outfield players do. But then he also has the defensive ability to make that 20% at the top not matter. He is as complete as you get as a right back. He's brilliant. And I think if he was balling out every week, I'd have a lot more sample size to be able to say, though this is when he was good. The fact that he's played four games in almost two seasons hurts me rather than hinders me, I would say. I think if if you go back to when he broke through... I've, no, I think Byron's got a fair point, but at the top of the show, he's just been waxing to look about Smith Rowe, yeah. <laughs> who can't get a game. Yeah. And so his stock probably has gone up while he's not playing. He's yeah. playing more than Reese James. <laughs> Reese James is not the best English right back in London. Ben White. <laughs> the fact you have to name him. You look like you're a bit too confused. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just confused. I, in fact, and then I worked out who it was because... The blind faith that you show in your I own. didn't even come into this wanting to slag off Reese James. I was just, I was born yeah, to put down Trippier. But yeah, and you've I've heard taken you say that same line two weeks in a row now. Which? <laughs> that I didn't want to slag off Reese James? No, as in, if he was playing now, um, we would kind of see how bad he was or something. Not that we'd see how bad he was, just uh, uh, he gets, spoken, not Cafu, he gets spoken about like he is a superhero playing right back. He's a podgy guy that isn't as good enough, isn't as good Muscular. going forward as Trent, isn't as good defensively as Benjamin White, but... But he's better than defensively than Trent and better going forward than Ben White. So you would take him as the medium? I, I wouldn't take him over either of our right backs. I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't. <laughs> Would you? I'm sure. I, in fact, I'm positive you wouldn't. I'd take him over Cedric. You, would, <laughs> you wouldn't take Greenish over ESR, so... I think that's. I, I think I'll be on the right side of history with that one. Okay. I think you might. So you said you take Tommy Tommy Asu over him as well. Over well, he plays James. more games for a start. Yeah. Get, he can he can do more. Get a Reese James comp up on, up on that TV. I'm about to put the now. Brighton game on, but I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's as good going forward as um as I'm told he is. But I don't think he's better. Yeah. I don't think he's better offensively I, than Trent or the than Trent or Trippier. What about Carl Walker? Carl Walker is another one who's seemingly gone off a cliff, but he's another one who is better than Reese James. I think, again, sample size, at the moment, he's just won the treble last season. It's hard to really argue with it. He's so fast that his mistakes that he makes, he can make up for. I think that's always been his trait. He just likes slide cycling. He does like that. But I really think if Reese James... And I can't say this with a straight face. I can't say, when Reese James gets a run of games under his belt... <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever happen again. We need to do some sort of Ledley King arrangement where he just doesn't train and just plays on a Saturday. He got, <laughs> he's, he's been so shook by Trent that when he did come back, he was playing central midfield. And I'm still spun by you trying to defend that as well. It would, when you've got no midfielders, it was, which at the point we didn't, it would make sense to put him there and Gusto at right back. The guy, we had, we had no midfielders. He doesn't have the athleticism to play there. He's not strong enough to play there. His knees were crying. You're making my head hot, sir. Let me tell you this, because this might be a new feature, and given the intro, I might be the first one on it. Just Reese James is on Podge Watch, <laughs> because that man is filling out. Do you know what? I've been waiting for that conversation, because of all these injuries, I've not really seen much dialogue about the size of the man. It's normally... 
he used to be he was getting praised for it because he's a big muscular build Neville used to go look at that skinny little Trent I'd rather give me a big man like Reese James I'm turns out the knees and the ankles don't like that so much I'm telling you the English fullbacks when they get when they get to St George's Park <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're having the James Pantry custard donuts <laughs> the buffet the hotel it's, it's a lot seen a lot of action but anyway, let's move on because um, we've not mentioned uh, Brentford Forest yet um, I think I was coming through a Reese James defence session I would have had stats prepared <laughs> <laughs> does anyone does, the was, does I was thinking I know the point he's making here. I think yeah no but I just saw Jack's face just being totally unable to cover it it's like he must be the right different player is, <laughs> it, James, is it more insulting for Trip? Trippier isn't even the first choice of Bayern they want Mukieli from uh, I don't know if I've pronounced that right from uh, PSG and they're basically saying we can't get him they're keeping Trippier on the back burner yeah but that's- I know how much is reported Newcastle want how much do you think Newcastle should want should want for Trippier yep. to make it actually worth their while. So what what fee would you see where you go? That's fair. 15 to 20 million is age. 11 to 12 supposedly is what they're after. That's what they want. They really are being hamstrung by FFP. <laughs> <laughs> Ch- um, changing down the back of the sofa. I've, isn't Bruno potentially on the chopping block as well? He's getting, new, he's getting a new deal but he? he's going to be one of the commodities that people will be after. Um, one of the things with this as well is I do think Newcastle are trying to let you know all the stuff from the club is look how much we've been restricted by FFP so I think Trippier is partly the sacrificial lamb for that so look we've just had to sell our captain our best player or whatever even if it probably does suit their needs a little bit you can say oh look we've been forced into selling we didn't want to get rid of this guy Ivan Tony's return was the headline from about Wednesday onwards and Thomas Frank confirmed beforehand that he would both start and captain the side and this game was unbelievable Sometimes you just need a game like this with zero stakes for you. Just see a bit of drama, some bangers sprinkled in, if possible. How's this ended up being the game of the weekend? Yeah. Brentford Forest. Three minutes in, and after some horrific defending, Danilo just bops one up off his knee and then bangs it into the side netting. Edu might have been cooking with that one. I don't see enough else from it. I was about to say, <laughs> everybody has seen someone, the ball just bounce up just right for them and, and whack it. Well, no, that been, was his moment. He's been pretty decent. No, he has He has been getting... He could be getting them out in any minutes. He's been getting some traction. Um, didn't even speak about that J2O pass on uh, Saturday. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we then had the controversy with the Tony free kick. And this was some evil genius type work. Just... <laughs> He not only moves the ball, but he moves the referee's foam too, and did so at a time when seemingly every defender had turned away. Now, Forrest have written to the PGMOL complaining about this. Gary Neville said, this is what Arsenal and Liverpool started. Arsenal were the fifth team to do this, but Gary Neville's agenda <laughs> sickening. Um, <laughs> he was tweeting it was a foul of the first goal as well, by the way. Gary Neville. Oh, on his cam on like some Nokia thirty two ten camera. Did they have a camera on Nokia thirty two ten? Because that's what it looked like. If there was one on there, you know, when you try to take a picture of the TV and you get too close, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that freak. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a new practice. People moving the ball for a free kick. Karen Carney referenced that 
Beckham would almost always insist that there was some stray piece of grass that he had to pick pick the ball up to deal with and then move it to where he wanted it to be. He then created a better angle, essentially. You could do it a reasonable amount. This worked even better if you saw on Twitter, because I don't believe they showed this on the Sky broadcast, and I don't know if either of you would have seen this. Pre-game, they turned all the lights out at the Brentford Community Stadium. They put these red beams on and they played the Undertaker theme as Tony walked out. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. <laughs> you can see you can see footage of this online. Nice car. <laughs> there were banners calling him the King of Kings in a week where he said, again, just how much you would like to leave in case anyone was unsure. <laughs> does now, explicitly stay in there as well. If it's this January, is this January? It may be the summer. Maybe it's now. <laughs> just, if you want to. I don't want to say... Jacks are Peter Walton, but you're like you're, we go to you as the goalkeeping equivalent of uh, Peter Walton. Maybe that would be a better one to do. I'd rather hear from a little goalkeeping guy than a ref guy because they're far too irritating. But N- Nigel Martin, defend the goalkeeper now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan Yates asks Turner several times if he should move across. Turner says no. You're fine. <laughs> Hudson Adoy is maybe the worst in all this. He was just standing on the side for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> yeah, just looking around. He's there for that run, isn't he? There's no player there. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's what makes it fun. I was thinking, there must be a player off camera that I'm not seeing yeah. here. <laughs> there must be something going on. So Turner initially goes over to the post. He signals for the wall to slide right, which is probably his biggest mistake. With only a right footer there over the ball, surely there's no need or benefit to him sliding the wall across there no like it's it's odd it's so I thought when I initially saw him move it I thought the draft excluder kind of position is really screwed with Matt Turner here because that's basically blocked it from vision that he's moved the ball um but the wall position is wrong in the first place anyway because you get it slide right you do that for a left footer that tries to whip it over the wall and curl it away from the keeper that ball is always going to be curling into you whether it's going over the top of the wall or around the side so you put your wall is far away over your far post to make sure that doesn't happen and then you back yourself that if he gets it in the gap that comes straight at you you save it that's what that's what you would usually do I would think anyway because what Turner gives himself a worse view of the ball and a better angle for Tony (laughs) yeah pretty much like he's like right go and have a go that I'm not going to move by the way yeah, you can yeah. still have a go but I'll let it I'll leave, I'm so confident <laughs> that I've made this so good for you I know it's going in so I'm not going to move it's it's weird where do we stand with Ryan Yates because they kind of excused Turner a bit on the punditry and said it- well look if you feel that strongly about it drag everyone across but no, I feel like then no, if no. so the, key, the keeper has the final say yeah, that's, how, that's how it's coached because you, Yates would have been battered wouldn't he if yeah, Tony then scores yeah. and he's moved the wall you, as a keeper you set the wall up you have one man turn rounds you set it up you're okay it, and then you get set and that, it, then it's on you for if that wall jumps and it goes under the wall then it's fair enough well played but if you set the wall up wrong no one else is to blame but the keeper. I would say. You know, it's a bad position of the wall when, in real time, you can look at it and go, "It's <laughs> yeah. like a glaring gap for that yeah. shot." There, like you shouldn't be able to. Maybe on like a retrospective angle, you go, "Or oh, maybe the keeper could have lined this up better." It was like immediately obvious, even before Tony even start looking to move the ball. You're like, "I think it's kind of obvious what he's going to go for." Here. Yeah, and it's like everyone knew, other than the keeper. Like, we- like even for wet, like you said, when it was originally placed, it's about his poor positioning. Yeah, and then Tony gets an extra foot to the yeah. right and. It's even, it's even worse. Having said that, is it, 
Roman Yates is on the end, right? Yeah. Though With he, all this being said, in, him jumping in. inside yeah. is also just unforgivable. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? We saw in the United Forest game that Forest obviously go on to win that Turner made a mistake in that game and afterwards all the players kind of rallied around him and they were patting him on the back and they seemed to believe in him as a keeper. Do you think this could be last straw kind of thing? Because when it's a howler, you've probably got a few of them. When it just seems such a such a basic, like a technique issue, that surely as a back four is where you start to be sus. And if you're Ryan Yates, you're kind of saying, well, you've made me look a prick now. That's that's where it starts falling down. When that team unity and that backing of a keeper, there's been times where you have hairy moments and your defenders pull you out of it and you thank them for it and it creates that kind of unity at the back. When you start making them look like mugs for... And then when you start blaming it on them as well, it's like, well, I didn't do this, or you should have done that. It really does break down. And it erodes that confidence that you need in that safe pair of hands behind the back four. Proper apprentice type stuff. Throw the PM under the bus now. He's fucked up too many times. (laughs) Fuck this guy. That's back uh, next week, I think. Mm. Um, The other goals, my guy Ben Mee, huge header to put them ahead. Um, I said to TK on Saturday, if they make me England manager tomorrow, Duncan me at the back. And uh, that's how we're moving into the Euros. 4-4 fucking two. (laughs) I did make an England team of strictly my guys, but maybe we'll save that for another week. Um, Aaron Connolly is Irish, I've got to tell you. You can't try and take him. He is, but there's we've got some great players in there. I knew you wouldn't be able to resist. Come on. <laughs> well, no, I, I was actually checking something else, um, but I sent it to Connor and he asked if he could block me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's Ramsdale in goal. Obviously. Um, the back four, we've got Saka at left back. Um, we're squeezing everyone in here. Uh, turns out Ben Me actually wasn't in this team. <laughs> <laughs> On the fly. Uh, Duncan Me at the back. Um, ben White goes in at right back. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, due to not many appearances uh, for, for Leon, has to drop to the bench. Basmati, oh. uh, Willock and Smith-Rowe in midfield. Harvey Barnes and um, Andros Townsend Sr. Um, are on the wings. And uh, Calvert-Lewin is up top. Do you, think we make out- Do you think we make it out of the group? Mm, no <laughs> that midfield I was like you know what that's not the worst and then that front three is just not good my brother we went to cinema last week and he said to me I just I don't even know if Harvey Barnes is a real person anymore <laughs> I honestly think under Roy though that would have been seen as a very good England team we were like, you know what yeah. this is a decent team naturally he's my assistant yeah <laughs> um Chris Wood, nice header, gets uh, gets things level. And then, as Carragher called it, a goal of rare quality from Neil Mope to uh, to seal the deal here. You must have been happy for him. Oh, no. I saw he was doing charity work on Saturday. Yeah, night. nice guy, isn't he? Lovely guy. I thought they have seen his PR and thought, we need to do something about this. <laughs> no, I've listened I do, to Spitball Pod. <laughs> I do gather that off the pitch... He is. He does seem to be a, a nice guy. It's just he is often the way with these bastard players. Yeah, he is a, a real, real piece of work <laughs> um, when he's on it. 
really good all-round performance from Tony. The goal, obviously, is what's going to get the headlines. The fanfare pre-game was a bit much from Sky, but I'm not sure how else you uh, hype this fixture. I think we know at this stage he's not leaving this month. In summer, is he the guy that Arsenal or whoever else should be waiting for or not? So last around this time last year, the news kind of broke, didn't it, that look, Declan Rice is who Arsenal are going all in for in the summer. If you were an Arsenal fan, Ivan Tony is that guy, this window, that you know, you've got to wait six months for all the comps going to be made. Is that good enough? Should they be punching higher than that? How much is he going to cost is the question. Uh, is he going to have 12 months to run on his deal? That That's the big we, question. If you take the price out of it, and I know that's quite a big point, the striker that Arsenal should be getting, do you think he's good enough to fill that role? Because the next guy has to be an upgrade on Gabriel Jesus and the goal scoring, no question there. But he has to fit this team, all of these things. I think Tony is good enough that he would be able to fit your team. I think he'd be able to offer some of the link-up not all of what Gabriel Jesus can offer, but some of it. It's not like he hasn't got a good work rate or put himself about. I think he is a good fit. Um, yeah, I would I would go with it. Even there's more upside to someone like Isaac if you can say if you if Newcastle are in a bit yeah. of a sp- bit of a hole, you think we'll take advantage of that. I can see the upside to Isaac, but also I do think he would have some teething problems as well. Going, fitting into your team and having to do some of the stuff Gabriel Jesus has done and with someone with a, a bit of a patchy injury record I would go do we want him being our guy pressing from the front doing all this other stuff we know Tony can do it albeit at a lower level well, I don't think he would come in and be bagging like a scary amount of goals but he'd get more than Jesus will because I mean the, like the level now and Chelsea are an easy comparison because you're there I think if if Tony signed for Chelsea this January People would feel that you've got someone that's above your level right now. Ch- Tony's. I've. I've. Chelsea are bigger than. Uh, Chelsea are bigger than Tony. I'm not. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know. I know what the point you're trying to make. I've just lost all faith in any striker transfer. So, let me ask you, you guess that mind both shit. this question, and I say this without putting too much thought into it. Off the top of your head, now I just don't want you running through everyone. What is Ivan Tony in this league? Is he a top 10 striker, a top 3 striker, a top 5 striker? What is he? I assume you're not saying he's the best in the league. No, I mean, definitely top 10. I would definitely have him top 10. I think, I mean, if you were to get really pedantic and say what is a striker or whatever, probably top 5. But that's, but then that's we would what. Get into the long grass of it. Yeah. If I put a list in front of you now that had the top three strikers in whatever order you can kind of do for yourself as Haaland, Isaac and Tony. Would you disagree with that or would you? Hmm. It's tricky, isn't it? Because he scored on his return and he had a decent game, but it was against Nottingham Forest. Who... He got 20 goals last season. No, I know he did. That is good going, isn't it? Yeah. You do... Well, I did, when I did it without any further thinking, I had top three. Yeah, for out-and-out striker, you probably have to say so, which is why he's being courted by everyone that needs a... Everyone that needs well, a I said la- before the um, World Cup last year that he's the closest to Harry Kane that we have in the league in terms of playing style. And I don't, that's why I don't... I said it, and look, maybe I'll have to backtrack on this if, if we uh, 
if we get him. I can't. I, 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 there's something about Ossiman that I don't. I just get a bad vibe. There, I get a bad vibe. If you've been that. following the Afcon, there is something that to competition show you does that, things to people. <laughs> there is something in there that shows you that he is a perfect fit for Chelsea. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna do it. You know they're gonna. Basuma got dragged in their first group game. He plays for like Mali, doesn't he? Basuma. So he's going to be comfortably the best player there, and Afcon just something in the air there. So, so some of those Osimo misses are bad. We don't need someone that can do that. If we, because when we <laughs> you've do got play, that box ticked. I don't know what the the difference is going to be, and I'm sure we'll have the same conversation. However many times because they seem to be the two premier options on the market, um, I, think- I I don't see that Osimo's worth is that worth that much more than him. No, he's ultimately a gamble. You know what you're getting with Sony. You may may have to overpay but you're likely overpaying for Osman if he, if he turns out to be everything you want then great but if he's anything but you're going to drop 100 million euros probably on Osman the, the one that's going to put the cat among the uh, pigeons is that uh, Benjamin Sesco has a 50 million euro release clause in the summer mm. now he's playing like 25% of the minutes for Leipzig right now but people are going to uh, yeah, people, people are going to buy the potential there. People need to stop buying strikers from. Life well, you're going to go all in for Evan Ferguson, it seems. So we'll all enjoy watching that for the whole summer. <laughs> Honestly, oh. I was about to say Paul Brighton. It's not Paul Brighton. Congratulations, like you've done it again. Yeah. All right, not much to say on Sheffield United West Ham, but we'll uh, whip through it. Kudus, Paqueta, Antonio, Alvarez out meant the West Ham were left to rely on the likes of Corne, Ings, Ben Rama, and others. We used up our fun on the Brentford game, I would say. There wasn't a lot going on here. Last five. Yeah. Gave us a bit of drama. In this. James Ward-Prowse penalty in the 79th minute puts uh, West Ham ahead. They're on the verge of sealing their first win of 2024. They used up all their voodoo in that against us, it seems. In added time, Soufal gets two quick bookings. Ariola concedes a penalty, which Ollie McBurney converts in the 113th minute the uh, latest goal scored in Premier League history. The challenge for the penalty... Was the one before that Liverpool game, was it against Arsenal? We don't talk about that. (laughs) As I've said before, I was kicked out of the house after that. I was that (laughs) that angry. This included a game where the rest brought Bruno Fernandes back half an hour later. (laughs) (laughs) That's how long these stoppage times are. That single game is what sold me on Aaron Connolly and he didn't (laughs) score. <laughs> you thought he's going to have a lot more games like this, but he's going to score. Turns out, yeah. no, not so much. The penalty for Ariola and the kind of thing we've done previously is say, if I stop you in the street and show you this footage and say, where's the penalty? Where's the foul? I'm not sure you're even picking that amongst all of the. Well, I think I know. What the what the intended? Well, obviously, it's more of a foul. He just doesn't make really the connection. It's it more of a foul the other way around. Mm. I was thinking he looks like he's come in and punched him, but he doesn't really no. make any contact. With him. No, I, th- I think this is com- coming from the Onana earlier in the and the Robert Sanchez earlier in the season, where they've started giving fouls for keepers doing this, and they've thought, "Oh, this looks like that," so have a penalty. In terms of correcting decisions, it's the same guy on VAR that didn't give the Onana penalty against Wolves. Do you think because of that, yeah, that's, he's def- there? Definitely then. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or is it just these guys are, these guys are idiots, basically? Yeah, it could be just total incompetence. They but. seem to have found all of 
the biggest idiots in the country and giving them a whistle and a uniform. It's and then told everyone you've got to respect them. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you question anything, you're being disrespectful. Like Sufal gets carded initially for saying that <laughs> that um, Rian Brewster should have been red carded. Yeah, and then Which they agreed with. And the they they said, with. Yeah, you know what? He should have been. Yeah. The fact the ref doesn't give that immediately is. The looks like yeah. about six foot off the ground. And Sufal gets booked because of that. When I. Just, I know, and then the second yellow, he doesn't really properly make contact on this. I would say, if you know you're on a yellow, don't give these idiots a chance to send you off. But even then, he doesn't. It's supposed to be like it's a cynical fight. He doesn't really foul the guy. It's so bad from Ben Johnson giving the ball away like that in the middle of the park when you're trying to see out a game. Yeah, not not Moise's best sub. Him, fans weren't happy about it, and turns out they were right. (laughs) When um, we've kind of complained before about how stupid it is, this thing that a guy picks up the ball stands with it for however long until the penalty is going to be taken, then the actual taker goes to step up. And we all know it's going to be Salah for Liverpool or it's going to be whoever. Mm-hmm. Arsenal seems to be the only ones where we actually don't know because we give out these <laughs> charity <laughs> pens and, and all of this. I think the guy needs a poker face if he is going to do this because I forget which player it was. <laughs> but when the guy is winking and waving at guys in the crowd before the penalty is going to be taken I've got to assume you might not be the guy that's going to be taking this penalty for the commentator though they were just like oh he's so calm collected he's waving at the yeah. crowd yeah <laughs> made you look a right mug yeah. that's like you're a very unassuming player usually and you, well, I know I'm on camera now <laughs> <laughs> hi mum that's where we know Anthony when uh was it when Pele died and he didn't back himself to score so he lifted up his t-shirt pre-game yeah. <laughs> he needs to rely on his team getting a penalty and he can have the camera do his shirt and then Bruno can step up and take or miss the penalty yeah one of the best things about that was like whenever you watch he's like who are they foiling here who's this for turns out the yeah. commentator <laughs> turns out he is being fooled by it but like when, when I think the first time people made a thing of it was when Chelsea did it in the um, world championship final and it was Azpilicueta holding the ball yeah. Like, you're not the one taking this penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Joe Gomez is holding the ball for us, I'm going to go have a guess. He's not doing it, lads. Did he hold it for Havertz? Huh? Was it Havertz that took it? It was. One of the two biggest trophies in their history, but we won't do that again. <laughs> um, and then Bowen goes down seconds later, and that challenge is not reviewed by VAR. That's confirmed, by the way. It wasn't even reviewed by VAR. What they've said retrospectively... We want to get home, lads. No, we're not not watching this. ...is that the rules say if both guys are making contact with each other, then they kind of offset. Now, I'm going to say if one guy's wrestling the other and he doesn't fight back, then they're going to say he's gone down too easy or that kind of thing. Bowen basically by trying to wrestle free or wrestle with um, Amedzevic, and I'll pronounce that horribly, but it's, it's it's a rough one, has played himself, or so the PGMOL say. I think that does, the way it's fallen, I think it looks like Bowen's got the other side of him and pulled him onto him. I do feel that, the way that it's... But when they showed it the back, way, I didn't the, think Bowen was. The way that he fought, because he's got both arms on him, I can see why... It's one of those, if it was given on the field, they're not reviewing it and it probably stands. It, it looks to me, Bowen's got goal sides. The other, um, Amazovic is looking at the ball and he's pulled him onto him and planted his legs 
And that's probably why it's not given. He went straight to the dressing room and posted a picture, by the way, accompanied by Randy Orton's music. I saw that. <laughs> and then went on Twitter and said the footage had been doctored and that wasn't really what had gone on. <laughs> Who's doing that? <laughs> Sorry, mate, you're not big enough for that. No one's doing this. He said they're trying to make you believe something that didn't happen. Quite a week for the WWE. <laughs> making appearances, probably. Very, very... Um, the, the only thing with that is, let's face it, I felt that is more of a penalty than the one they do give. Is, is the issue. Like, I think it's arguable as to whether the burn one is or isn't a penalty. I think it's... If, either way, I could see your point. I probably thought it was a pen, but I can see how you'd arrive at the conclusion it wasn't. It's more of a pen on balance than the one they do end up giving. So if, West Ham are going to feel jobbed. If the Areola penalty is given, I'd like a few replays because that few- Chelsea that Chelsea game with Robert Sanchez battering Jesus... He was offside. <clears throat> I want that run back. He was offside for that. Excuse me? He was. He's like the, he's like the third player in. Go back and watch it. He does take out half the squad. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched it. I've watched was, it too many times. He was offside in the build-up, don't worry. <laughs> From a corner. It's <laughs> <laughs> played out and played back in again. We'll take your word for it. Um, let's talk about the Liverpool game. So, much like Crystal Palace early on Saturday... For the most part, Bournemouth were pretty horrendous on Sunday evening. I think that's unfair. Particularly once a goal went in was the next sentence on my... uh, Yeah, I I think that's unfair. I remember watching the first... Well, Bournemouth were good. The first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, ooh, there could be something in this for them here. And then, I can't remember, I went off and came back halfway through the second half and I was like, ah, okay. They were better than than Palace. I'm not saying they they weren't good. They, They had... 10 minutes where they seem to realise they fancied getting at both fullbacks, and then when they didn't get what they wanted in, in that kind of exchange they retreated back in and didn't really get a foot of the game again I thought Fournier was harsh on them I thought they were we, we deserved could have been win. about 8 by the end yeah yeah it kind of ended up racking up but I thought first half was a dead half anyway nothing really much going on they had a brief spell where they were good I thought each of our goals in the second half were well taken well worked and I thought we turned it on I thought we really turned it up a notch that second half I'll ask you about someone else's take in just a second but Klopp described Jota as a smart footballer one of those players who really understands the game on a different level I went all in on him when we did our winger chat how good do you think he is and what makes him so great? Well, when he looks like he does in this one, in this game, he's unbelievable. He just looks razor sharp. He's a weird player where when he's on it, he looks like quicker than he does when he's not. He looks like he's got like more of a turn of pace than when he's having a bad day. Um, Sorry, I was distracted by uh, CNC. Uh, my main thing with him has been that on that conversation about the wingers one was that I felt we played him central too often and he played really well there that I didn't really put him in the winger conversation but as you said on there he can play across the spaces So, and we saw that in this game we tweaked the front line and I think that made a difference he's when he's on it like this I think he is one of the best attacking players in the league and that's a weird thing because when all our players are fit he may not start for us the the instinctual nature of his finishing and I think just his desire to get a shot at goal is his best attribute. 
the Bournemouth fans should never have laughed at him on that. Yeah. And the one where he slices it, it's like, oh, laugh at everyone else. Yeah. Probably don't laugh at him because he'll they, he'll stab it back. He'll stab it in. They did it in the League Cup. They laughed at uh, miscontrol by Darwin, and then he cuts inside. Yeah. And smashed they it. They've some harsh lessons, haven't they? Poor guys. The thing with him, which probably goes against him, and when people are grading him or whatever, as good of a finisher as he is, he shoots a lot. Yeah. 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 I saw the comparison of his shots to Isaac, I think it was. Now, I saw it because Newcastle fans were doing a thing. Carragher does his tweet, which I'll ask you about, and it was, for some reason, Isaac was put in that conversation of Liverpool's best finishes in, <laughs> in the Premier League era. But, yeah, compared to an out-and-out striker... Have you seen Alan Shearer? <laughs> Why well, on, He gets shots on goal, shots on goal, shots on goal, and this is one of the the best features of Liverpool's attacking line because all three of the people in there could feasibly not be in Klopp's favourite yeah, front yeah. line for Liverpool. And yet it's just non-stop. And I think that's the, the difference maker, the biggest separation of Arsenal and Liverpool this season. I don't even think all of your attacking players are better than ours. In fact, it's a debate that we literally have had. I'd take two of ours over yours but the way you play football and the freedom that these guys are given it's they do they do what they want but it's like they don't take no for an answer in yeah. there and they just keep banging on the door whether it doesn't have to be the perfect shot because if it's not the perfect shot the first time someone might get a tap in at the back post or Jota gets one of these exactly they're relentless aren't they yeah Jota is exactly that of the amount of times you'll watch a team and go just shoot, stop fucking around and just shoot because he's going to get a deflection or whatever. He will. Now, on a bad day, you might go, can you stop shooting as much as well? And you might go, like, his link-up play hasn't been as good today. His touch has been off. But when he is on, he's on song. He's almost unstoppable. His stock just plummeted in that Everton game last season where you had, like, the bad half of bad halves. Yeah, and obviously he did have that long run without scoring, which it kind of gets forgotten about a little bit as well. But the Darwin was great in this game as well, but it did feel a big part of that was how sharp Jota was. And in, in this game, the, the pass for him for Darwin's opener is just like the perfectly weighted pass that maybe you might not always associate with Jota. You normally think he's the one finishing, but it was perfect. Darwin better again with less time. Elsewhere in your team, McAllister's best game for you, I thought? Yeah, comfortably. Probably too good if he doesn't want to play the six long so <laughs> Give him, so be, he Klopp needs to get excited. The midfield did you a favour, I thought, on, on their part, but the mm. formula with him is give him two athletes, basically. Yeah, and Klopp kind of acknowledged it in the post-game. He said, if you can get uh, a good compact midfield, you're going to see the best of him. Because obviously, he's, he said, he said, one of the best sixes on the ball you're ever going to see, but well, he says he's good off the ball, but not as good, which is fair. But also, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe Jürgen... Don't just always just go, right, open it up, because then you are going to expose him. But at the same time, it's working. So. Uh, Jamie Carragher asked and then said post-game that he feels Jota is Liverpool's best finisher of the Premier League era. Now, this is a man that himself played with Owen, Fowler and Suarez. And Suarez. I just, yeah, I just want to check where you stand on this, because it's one of them where sometimes I'll see an Arsenal-related one that, people may turn their nose apart and then people he was a better finisher than you perhaps give him credit for 
Jota, I think, actually is second in the poll that Carragher does behind Suarez. Yeah. Don't know where you stand on. I think I know where... I think I know who you think's the best finisher of the lot. Yeah, yeah. The And the person I'd have vying for the top spot, maybe second, could be top, wasn't even on Carragher's list on that poll, by the way. I'd have had Owen as the next yeah. guy. So I think... I thought perhaps he at first he didn't have him on there because it would be too obvious. And then- so someone tackled him on it and he said, well, who would I take off the list? Oof. And so it was pretty simple. <laughs> Anyone that isn't Robbie Fowler. I think Robbie Fowler is probably the best finisher. I think him and Owen is the conversation to have. I think that's a fair debate. After that, in terms of actual finishers, I don't, I don't think anyone's getting close to those two, but I don't think Jota's even the next guy. I, don't, I wouldn't have him better than... like. Prime Torres. No. I'm not having him over him. So, so because... And Suarez, when, the year he does have, obviously, is unbelievable. When Suarez won the poll, Carragher seemed to insinuate he thought people misunderstood the question. And he said, 100% best, did. He said, best player, he's not the best finisher. Yeah. Now, if the conversation was maybe uh, most effective, then I think that's a conversation that you could put Jota in, but then I wouldn't say he's more effective than Salah, for example. So... Might not be more effective than Darwin. I mean... Already. We all we all do these things in that your player has a good game and you go over. Yeah, I've always a bit drunk on the success, but when he doubled down on it on Twitter, I thought, okay. This- I think if you get called an idiot for something you said on TV, you basically have to admit to being an idiot, or you have to double down. And unfortunately, most people's choice is to double down. If the point he's illustrating is that this guy is a great finisher who it probably doesn't get talked about enough in terms of Liverpool's great finishers, then fair enough. And I think he's probably, he's done that. And in all honesty, he might be a better finisher. He's our best finisher now, you'd say. And that's including Salah, who's got a freakish number of goals. And he might be a better finishing, finisher than Suarez was for a period of time with us. If you forget, is it his first full season with us? I think Suarez breaks the record for the number of times hitting the woodwork. <laughs> And there's only so many times that can be bad luck before you go, well, your finish hasn't been good enough. And then he brushed up on that. And so I think what Carrick is really saying is like a natural finisher, isn't he? Yeah. And if you look at, it seems mad to say because of the numbers that they hit, but Suarez and Salah, neither would probably be described as a natural finisher. Salah definitely isn't. If you look at some of the chances he misses. But the same reason as we're persisting with Darwin, as with Salah, you're going to go, this guy is such a threat and he's going to get into so many positions that it doesn't matter that he's not maybe a Michael Owen or Robbie Fowler that cold in front of goal because he's just going to rack up so many chances. It's like if I went down our list, I would probably have Trossard and Martinelli as the best finishers mm. in our squad. Now, Trossard isn't the best finisher that Arsenal have had in, in the Premier League era. Yeah, if and you go also- and then he's going... Oh, fuck Ian Wright and Thierry Henry. We've got Trossard. Yeah, well. And he's also not the best winger in the squad and he's also not the best striker in the squad. Yeah. So it can just be this certain facet of someone's and game. Carragher is right on that poll. People voted Suarez and they would have just gone, well, he was the best player. Mm. So well, they, they wouldn't really focus on what the actual question was. You say that though, but Suarez could score from literally anywhere. The other thing, I guess, the conversation with finishing it probably becomes what's your one-on-one finishing like. Yeah. Whereas Suarez, like you said, he could score every type of goal. Yeah. Fowler probably good as well, in fact. That's why I give him the nod over Owen, just because if you looked at a compilation of two, you're going to have a lot of Michael Owen goals, whereas probably Fowler had a, a range. Let's um, talk about a man who isn't in the conversation for best Liverpool finisher in Premier League history, and that is uh, Darwin Nunes. 
um, having scored just once in his previous... I'm quite sure what that means. (laughs) One in 16 coming into this game. Okay, maybe I do know what it means. He leaves the pitch with two goals, big smile on his face, confidence is on the rise again, and Jack, if there's one thing we have to watch out about, it's Darwin Nunes with confidence. Um, I asked you on Saturday, do you think his stocks have gone up or down since pre-season? And I'm interested in where you stand on that, and then I'll ask Jack the same question. Well, his stock is a volatile stock. (laughs) It's... uh, it makes when Bitcoin was going up and down, it makes that look calm. Because if he had a disaster class on Sunday, my answer might be different. And now we're going, you know what, two goals. He's got 10 goals and 10 assists. Did you know that? He's only been doing the rounds on Twitter the whole weekend. Dumb money too is you just hold your Darwin stocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you say, has his stock gone up or not? I would say it stayed. And in that regard, it was supposed to go up. So that's probably a bad thing because it was supposed to go up again this year. And as it, as it is, it's probably you have the same concerns as you had last year as some of the positives you had last year. But those those assist numbers, they're not, they're not nothing. That doesn't no. mean it isn't nothing. I think his unselfishness at times, some of the assists have been nice as well. And the work he does put in, it does mean it's not like, as much as he does miss chances, it's not like, He's just a, a finisher who's missing chances. He's giving you everything else as well. So when I asked TK this question, the thought process behind it was, coming into this season, there was this idea from some, I'm not saying it was the the, the common uh, perception, that something was just going to click for Darwin this season. You know, he's got his bad finishing out of the way. And I mean, you've said this with Havertz coming into season for whoever, this idea that someone just becomes a good finisher overnight, something just snaps in. And this was supposed to happen with Darwin this season with the confidence coming in and all of this. It hasn't happened. But as TK said, there's parts to his game that perhaps we didn't know coming into this season. So I guess it's where you trade those up. Do you think Darwin is a better finisher now than you thought last season? I don't think he's a better finisher now than I thought last season. You think he's a better player? But I think he's a better player, like we've kind of noted to with the with the assists. And I guess what you think of that is when it comes to the running, how far does that take you? Because, mm. I mean, you're still assisting, um, but if you need an absolute gunman up front then something isn't really happening, it's basically you flip a coin whenever he gets a chance. It could be one yeah. of the best finishers you've ever seen. It could go into Rosette. There's never any in between, it seems. It's never like, oh, that we made a bit of hard work of that, but it was okay. It's either, whoa, or I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I know that the, say, like his opener against Bournemouth, I know there's a thing of, you know, he didn't have time to think about it. So he's, but even just like the technique he does to do that, open that the body kills it in, shows like he has got it in the locker, where sometimes you watch him and just think, oh, it's a technique issue. He yeah. doesn't hit the ball properly. But he, he obviously can. So, it, yeah, it's, trying to work him out some of his decision making you're just like I, I can't yeah. explain this guy you, you could also say that Bournemouth is to Nunes is what Norwich was to Suarez because he scored some decent goals against them yeah 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 well I think Neto seemed as surprised as us with some of the shots taken which was a lot of the issue he's, he's shocked that um, Jota gets the shot away when he does and his first goal in particular I do think shocked everyone with just how quickly he took it He's great for that. Doing it early is mm. he's perfect for it. Um, well, my thing with Jotty doesn't seem to comprehend in, in the right way what's a good shot and what's not a good shot. The goal he scores um, when he comes back from injury is from like right wide on the goal when he 
could pass it and he shoots and obviously gets the goal straight after coming on. Might be against Sheffield, maybe. For him and for Darwin, I I don't ever think that either of those two are doubting themselves. It doesn't really matter what the context. Whereas most attacking players, I do think, can get stuck in a rut at times. Even someone like, for someone like Luis Diaz, I think probably could. I think he could start overthinking things. Whereas they... They're just relentless. They don't. They don't stop. They keep doing the same thing. Yeah, it's my bad for putting uh, Luis Diaz in my FPL side. Because, um, a couple of more questions on this game. What did you think of the VAR check for Clivert's challenge on Diaz? Again, it seems entirely dependent on just what ref or what VAR you get, because someone else will give that as a red. They for com- sure. They compared it to the Gusto challenge last weekend in that it's a straight leg. And that's what saves him. Hmm. There's no bend. There's no stamp, supposedly. It's a straight leg. It's a weird... Cause I know what they're doing with that. But it's, it's a weird thing of like, basically, I nearly need to see a broken leg. <laughs> so we need to give it... It's a bit of an odd They make metric. it up as they go along. Well, this is it. As something we spoke about with uh, the decision you were talking about earlier, is you can, with the West Ham game, you can basically manipulate a rule to fit whatever you want, can't you? So, I mean, I'll say... A lot of Liverpool fans obviously were pointing out McAllister got sent off for one that was like this, but less contact probably, which I would agree with. So, had how do you expect that he had that overturned, didn't he? Did he get the ban overturned? You might I think right. he did. I think I he was against remember. Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're right to point that out. It's he should he have got the red card for Curtis this one? Jones one was the one that they were trying to draw the comparison to, and supposedly what the PGMOL are saying is. Not even close. Not even a close thing. I don't know why you're making that comparison. Yeah. And they feed this through that uh, Dale guy on, on ESPN, which is actually more irritating, but that's how they get this info out. Yeah. I'm sure you'd have heard more from the club had we dropped points. <laughs> sure still said about it after the game. Uh, good, consistent, given that. <laughs> what did you make of Connor Bradley's debut? Good. Yeah, yeah, he's... They fancied Gam early, didn't they, with Sinistera? Yeah. I've, whether he composed himself and grew into it or whether they just didn't take full advantage of it, what? But I thought he did grow into the game and he can, he's good going forward as well. It's not just that he's not just a right back. He can do the, the attacking threat. Klopp's blooded him very well to get him to this moment where he can kind of slot straight in to a Premier League debut. Yeah, if you look at the bench, we had loads of youngsters on the bench as well. It seems like he's going to slowly do it with Clark, for example. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting with Bradley because I know how well thought of he is at the club and if he does end up being the player they think, it might change the Trent conversation just on its own. Not even necessarily about Trent. It might just be that we've got this guy here. We're gonna, have, this is what we'll do. Have you seen the Joe Gomez advert that came out today? Superb. Excellent. I believe they've done a version for Joe Linton as well. What is it? Do you want to see? Uh, so it's the goal, the goals one, right? Yeah. yeah so I, I can't really do it justice. You have to watch it. Oh, okay. but, uh, YouTube, he's laughing at himself for yeah. a lack of goals. It's, he's selling it's good. boots and uh, he refers to himself as Joe Goal-mez, but It's a very long. And I believe there's a Newcastle and one where he's going up towards his using his eight goals on hold. I believe there's a Newcastle with Goal-Linton. I think. But he does score, so that's... I guess that's just selling boots. Yeah. (laughs) You've got to have someone who can score in them. Arsenal were on that drought and they did a version for them about scoring beautiful goals and it's... uh, 
What about uh, all the usual? What suspects? about your Europa League advert? We're back in a year where you just <laughs> fucked it to get in the Champions League. <laughs> tough, tough. Song. Well, that theme song, didn't we? <laughs> Uh, oh yeah so the last thing I had here in unfortunately when you look a little more into this stat it's not quite as standout-ish but I'll ask you the question anyway Liverpool have now played 21 games this season only 7 times have they led at the interval what do you put that down to? Mm, we have still had some slow starts in these games for all we're top of the league we have had games where you think they're not starting well Ben Wendell was able to stick with being beaten with a lot last year. Oh, they don't start quickly anymore. Some of those things have still happened, but we've just ended up getting a reaction. Spurs have led nine times at halftime. Really? Arsenal level with you on seven, which is why I said it falls apart a little bit. It's not yeah. as a standout yeah, yeah. stat. How yeah. many times have we led? <laughs> You're not, you weren't on the list. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then we've, you know, similar with the sort of how you can manipulate obviously there's a lot of focus on how often we get late goals but you go well it's probably not a deal that you've got to come back from 1-0 down against Palace to win 2-1 late on for example or whatever or nick a draw with Luton so there's it depends kind of which way you look at it isn't it and uh, are you you ready to come out yet and say favourites for the league Liverpool yours to lose I think if we lose it from here it's a bottle job isn't it let's face it when you're five points clear we sit you with a game in hand in January I you know if you don't do it from here then when are you going to do it couldn't agree more um, hey look maybe if you get close towards the end of the season uh, Jack will take you for one of the worst days of your <laughs> life so I love how that was me trying to do a favor, massive favour it turned out to be one of the worst things trying to do a nice thing for it, someone don't it you? Was, it was really nice um up until the football started. <laughs> yeah. <that's right. laughs> so, there I, we go. You'd have had great, greater sympathy for me if you didn't, uh, on one of the days we didn't win the title on the last game of the season, you didn't message me what you messaged me and you know what you did that yeah. day. Oh, you, so. I, I remember a podcast earlier in the year when you said if it was you, Liverpool against City, you'd like to think that you'd be cheering for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. He's already revoked is, that. Is, is that going to happen? He's already revoked the that. The thing was, at the time... I really did mean it, and then he really means he would. Well, the 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 thing was, I thought there was like a collective agreement that I had with Liverpool fans that basically um, be nice to me, and then if Arsenal don't win, I'll just try and pinch a bit of your success and just try and have some joy, and we'll laugh at Tottenham and United and whoever else. They went back on that agreement and they they started being a bit nasty to me. So uh, we ripped that up and we've said... You're basically doing the Poznan. All's fair in love and war. Yeah. Now, I think we will bring things to an end there. I know there was UFC. I know there was NFL, but we've been going for two hours already at this point. So next week's FA Cup weekend, isn't it? So... uh, Well, might not be too much to get into, so we'll cover any loose ground. We'll definitely do NFL next weekend because we'll know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. So thank you for listening to another edition of uh, Food and Football. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back next week. Uh, Jack, make sure you tailor your diet this weekend uh, just so you have something to talk about next week. TK, you you really need to step your game up. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Maybe if you just try some little weird things. I liked the dairy-free ice cream and uh, 
an XXL pizza. So <laughs> if we get Tiki an XXL pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film it. All right. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back. Adios.